1: What's up guys, Organized News Podcast. My name is Saul Ali, at Saul Ali NBA on Twitter. here joined by Kelly Eco of The Athletic, at Kelly Eco NBA. How you doing, man? What's going on, man? It's been a while since we talked, huh? Yeah. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good. Just trying to, you know, stay on top of...
1: Happy birthday, by the way. I saw <laughs> that. I
0: appreciate you, man. Thank you.
1: There are a lot of things I miss about the season, but I just need the season to start up again so I can see you and your turtlenecks because <laughs> I, I, I've never seen something catch on like so quickly with a lot of people than your turtlenecks. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm not a, I'm not the jealous type. I'll admit that. Like, like I don't get jealous easily, but the way people were talking about your turtlenecks, like <laughs> I was I was approached by someone uh, that we both know. And ask like, is Kelly wearing that turtleneck today? Like, 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 that's something that happened in the middle of the season.
0: Man, it, it, it really became, you know, its own, its own thing. And, and I made fun I could... of you
1: for that. I made fun, of, like, like I compared you to Dwayne the Rock Johnson in one, in like, on a tweet, like, some random day, and that really backfired, man. Everybody likes it.
0: Yeah, man. First, you know what they say? First they hate, then they, uh, and they copy.
1: I got to so, buy a turtleneck. <laughs> I got to go buy hey, it. Hey, get one.
0: Yeah. It's an open fan club. You know what I'm saying? The turtleneck season is upon us, and everybody should be
1: accordingly prepared. It's got to be maroon. Maroon will make yeah. me stand out. I feel like it make me stand out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll go nuts with your, with your uh, complexion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, my complexion. Um, so, it came out this week that Mike D'Antoni will not be extended. Uh, he, he'll coach the last year of his deal with, without a deal. Uh, D'Antoni's agent, Warren Legarry, who was low-key one of the NBA's biggest power brokers in the coaching community, um, came out and told Jonathan Fagan that the Rockets offered him a one-year $5 million extension on top of next year's $4.5 million salary, with only half of that deal being guaranteed. Now, Daryl Morey came out and refuted some of that and clarified that that two and a half million was was if he was fired or didn't make the playoffs, so if he were fired this year or if you he, he, he would still get that two and a half million dollars, whatever money he gets if you were to become a coach of a new team would be at that two and a half million dollars would be added on top of it. This has been one of the more bizarre extension negotiations i've ever seen
0: yeah it's to me the way it's being played out in the public is sort of like what we saw. With the uh, Clint Capella, yeah, now it's become a matter of who's getting in front of the story first, who's getting to control the narrative, you know, who who has f- firm control. Now with Mike D'Antoni, the situation is is bizarre in the sense that number one, a coach of his caliber, um, the the kind of figures I, I saw in the report were you know kind of low if you if you just if you just survey the nba coaching landscape and you're seeing what you know the average coaches are getting um for someone that's had the the best three year window um in rockets history i guess regular season time for for the regular season it's kind of a low offer
1: yeah he averaged 58 wins a game a season
0: yeah and I, and I just think, you know, all this should not be so public, like, to the exact dollar and cents, but it is. Um, I just think, you know, I, I saw what Telman Fertitta said about uh, the lame duck. He doesn't like the term lame duck um, in the media. But honestly, I don't know how else to describe the situation, given that you know, you let go of all of his assistants or you let go of the entire defensive staff um, that worked closely with him every day. And you're you want to bring in your own guys, but you still have the main guy there. I don't I don't get how that works. It's, it's pretty confusing to me. Um, but I'm assuming they have some kind of plan in place. They did say that any, any decision that they make, Coach D'Antonio is involved in that process. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, kind of how that shakes out.
1: Yeah. So from what I understand, like they're going to, they're right now scouring the NBA for potential candidates for that job. And once they find these candidates, they're going to, they're going to go to D'Antoni with this, I guess it's going to be like a list or something. And Mike D'Antoni is going to pick out guys that he likes and he would like to coach with from that list. And those guys will be on his staff. That's kind of what I've gathered. Is, is that, is that kind of what you've heard?
0: yeah there have been a couple of people that have um expressed interest even as early as um like right after the monday after was the game six yeah the monday after that yeah they, they started you know the process and you know for a position with the rockets is it, it does command a lot of intrigue around the league just from the standpoint of you know it's a contender um, the the atmosphere, the culture of the team is is good, and you get a chance to, I guess, coach great players, James Harden, Chris Paul. Um, so it would command intrigue, you know. But as you as you've seen, <laughs> your job security might not be the most secure thing. Um, a couple of guys looking over their shoulders, you know, wondering. Are we going to be coaching in 2020 and 2021? So you kind of have to take all that into account when you, when it comes to you know your your candidates, because you still have to fill the position of associate head coach, <clears throat> and that guy is going to replace Jeff Bzdelik in the sense that if Mike D'Antoni does eventually leave, you would assume that the associate head coach would take that you know head coaching position. So it has to be. It has to be really thorough. You know, you have to make sure one, the pl- the coach has the respect of um, James Harden, Chris Paul. Number two, so it's a flexible guy because you know maybe the next coach doesn't want to do eighty percent ISO. You know, maybe they want to do fifty. Maybe they want to do sixty. There's a lot of things you have to take into account when choosing the right guys to fit the culture and the vision you have. For the
1: future. Yeah. So from what I gather, it really seems like, as you said, the Rockets went into these negotiations with a desire to keep flexibility if they wanted to pivot at head coach. And if that's the case, I understand the idea there. I just disagree with it because I think the, I think Mike's the guy. I don't know what you think. I I just think he's the guy. I keep going back to this, but you you can back me up here. The relationships he's developed in that locker room are so underrated super underrated. That stuff matters. He's close with James Harden. He's close with Clint Capell. He's close with a bunch of players in that locker room. And having him go out and coach this season on, on the final year, as you said, lame duck, it's not ideal. Yeah.
0: Um. Me, personally, I, I think Mike D'Antoni is a great coach. Um. He has charisma. <clears throat> he gets along well with the staff and the players. And Most importantly, his vision aligns with that of the best players. The general manager, you know, the owner—they all want to win the championship. Um, well, every coach does have their drawbacks. Um, I guess for Mike, it would be he might like shrink his rotation when times get get tough. You know, he kind of goes with the guys he trusts the most where you've seen other guys like Steve Kerr and Terry Stotts, They've opened, they've actually opened their rotation. So I guess maybe at that point you could kind of point to criticism, but Mike is, is such a good coach. He's a brilliant offensive mind. I think he's the right guy for the job. I just think that, um, they do need to, you know, up the staff around him. That, that, that wouldn't hurt. And also, he's in his position because of the bad start they had to start the season. You know, if they don't come out the gates eleven and fourteen, they the, the, the way this the season ended with the Western Conference, they very well could have been the number one seed again. You know, I think the Warriors won fifty-six games, 57?
1: Yeah, it wasn't, fifty-seven. Yeah. It
0: wasn't it wasn't head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. Um and the Houston finished with fifty four or fifty-three. So um just the minor things that could have gone their way and they we could be talking about them you know having home court throughout the western conference playoffs and and that's the case now it's a whole different situation because now you, you you could potentially meet the warriors as they are right now banged up you know as opposed to catching them in the moment and having to recharge and recalibrate your emotions and try and press on knowing the hump you have to get over and knowing, you know, the 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 kind of emotional burden, you know, that comes with the Warriors and getting past them. So I do think <clears throat> it's a bit unfair to Mike to put him in this situation. If you if if you say what you if you say that you believe in him, you back him, then extend him. Don't make it don't make it a public, you know, cat and mouse game. Because if he walks, are you going to get better? That, that, like That's what you have to think about in any negotiation. If this guy leaves, do we get better or worse? So if you think Mike is that guy, why keep him in the dark over his long-term future? He only said he wants to be here for three more years. It's not like he said he wants to be here indefinitely. You, know? you can always groom somebody to be the head coach in waiting having Mike D'Antoni for three more years is not the worst thing in the world by any means.
1: Yeah, I agree. And as you said earlier, like, like, yes, Mike does have his, have his flaws. Right. But I think if you go, go on down the line of all NBA head coaches, they all have vices. Like you can go on down the line and find like critiques of all the best head coaches. So I, I, in some sense, I agree that he that that has cost them. I think it really did cost them a playoff series, like that Spurs series. I really thought they could have opened up that that rotation to guys like Montrezl Harrell, to guys like Sam Decker, to to really you know open up the roster a little bit, and they didn't. And I really felt like that that caused the main guys to get tired, and what we saw in Game Six. So yes, Mike has his flaws, and, and to some extent. Like the, those flaws may have cost the Rockets playoff series. At the same time, I'm just not sure you're gonna find someone on the open market that's better, and that that's that's really what you gotta ask yourself here when you're when you're going through these when you're going through these searches. Is like, is there someone on the open market that you believe is definitively better? And I don't think we can find that guy. And to backpedal a little bit here, like, yeah, th- that that sense of security when you're looking for that associated coach is real, like these guys are going to be looking over their shoulders because they have no idea if the head coach that they're working for is going to be there by the end of next season. And who the Rockets hired to replace Jeff Pizdelic is right now the most prominent question of their off season. And honestly, like I have no idea where they go from here. Like you, you, there are names out there, right? Like Steven Silas is a prominent name. Chris Finch is a prominent name. Um, but those guys have really cushy jobs right now. Like, Steven Size is already an associate head coach with the Dallas Mavericks, and he signed a multi-year extension. Like, I'm not sure how you're going to poach him. Chris Finch, also an associate head coach. So, like, it, it's really hard to, find, to, to poach those guys. H- have you heard any, any names besides those two?
0: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say one name I've heard um, in, some, in some circles and one name to keep your eye on. Um, Jaron Collins
1: that's a nice um, name yeah
0: he's he's very well respected he has the respect of Harden um, Harden is a, is a big fan of him Jaron Collins and he's coming from you know a um, lauded warrior staff we already saw well another one of their associate uh, assistant coaches uh, join on with uh, Monty Williams so I think <laughs> that coaching tree will be plucked from now right. I'm not sure you know all, obviously it always comes down to different factors you know does he want to move you know money all that stuff but he is one name to keep an eye on The um, Nick Van Axel had expressed interest um, but it's unclear if it would be assistant coaching role or player development Um, but those are two names I've heard you know uh, there, there are quite. It, like I said, it's quite a long list. I guess the same way, the same way they evaluate players is kind of the same way they evaluate coaches. Um, and th- the sense I've gotten from talking with them is that when it comes to assistant coaches, at least the the line between very good and very bad assistant coach is not that wide it really comes down to the personnel the situation and most importantly the head coach <clears throat> and you already have good personnel you already have a good head coach so when you when you want to uh, i guess look at the other guys to bring in you know it's not going to be a matter of we like this guy better than him because he can do this better no it's going to be about Who's ready to come in and align with our culture? That's everything that they do is gone by those principles. Culture, you know, vision and the way they want to do things. Well, that's how they I guess conduct their business.
1: Now you wrote a column yesterday and I brought you on to talk about that column, and it kind of ties in with what Mark Stein wrote about for the New York Times. Specifically the extension negotiates the extension negotiations of Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker. So it's no surprise that the Rockets want to get a deal done with Eric Gordon. It's, it's what they wanted to do last year. <coughs> he had a stellar playoffs, and he's still only 30 years old on the last year of his deal. My mm-hmm. only question is, what happens if they can't get an extension done? Now, you wrote in your column, and I quote, one person close to Gordon still believes Houston could move him this summer or before the trade deadline if a long-term extension agreement cannot be reached. Is that really on the table?
0: Yeah, anything, you know, when it comes to Houston... <clears throat> We've seen anything can be on the table. They, moved, they made, what was it, eight transactions last season? Um, <clears throat> and Eric Gordon is a name that's come up before around the draft of rumors before. Um, there, were, there was a deal, I think they had, they were trying to move him. Well, they, they had discussions about moving him during the last draft, uh, but those didn't pan out. And I just think. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a weird situation really because he's such a good player and fits in exactly with what they want to do but I just think that them putting him in the starting lineup doesn't align with the staggering that they want to do. You know, for the if they want to stagger as much as they do, he needs to come off the bench because you saw in game six, he he took, what, what was it, nine shots? He, he did he didn't get going he could have get in a rhythm and you know <clears throat> if I know he said he wants he would retire here um he definitely has his suitors if you know they couldn't find a deal I know Rob Pelick is a, he's a huge fan of Eric Gordon um he loves the LA area all that stuff but his contract is so movable <clears throat> And it's also expiring. So, you know, that's kind of the recipe for any trade in the NBA, as, you, as, you've, as you've come to know and see. Expiring contracts are are tantalizing to front offices. So so I wouldn't be surprised if he does get moved. Um, but an extension, <clears throat> it's always good to lock up your, your core guys if you want to move forward. And I don't I don't think Houston gets better by losing him, so I don't see why they wouldn't come to terms on an agreement. But you know, in the NBA ain't think it happened, so I wouldn't put anything past Houston or Gordon.
1: Yeah, I mean if it is on the table, it, it makes sense, right? Like Eric Gordon's one of Houston's most attractive trade assets. He's really good. And if a deal can't be reached, he's gonna have a lot of demand. Like th- that that guy's That guy made a lot of noise in the playoffs. He attracted a lot of eyeballs. And I think he's pretty much removed all doubt about his injury history. Like That was a big deal with him in in that last free agency, whether or not he could stay on the floor. And I think he's more than proven over the past few years that he can stay on the floor. So he's going to have a lot of demand. Like I I really believe that. As far as P.J. Tucker goes, I know his camp wants an extension. And by your reporting, they've had discussions. I just think... Man, he's thirty-four years old with two years remaining on his contract. I really don't think it's likely that a deal gets done. There isn't a sense of urgency to and his current deal is such a nice asset to have. Now you wrote in this column in your column, despite the report stating that everyone save Harden is on the table, any Tucker trade would come at at the strong disapproval of both Coach D'Antoni and James Harden. Now I I believe you there, but I tend to believe that Daryl Morey doesn't care about that. Uh and by the way, I also believe he shouldn't care about that. PJ Tucker is a really, really nice player. And he has a strong voice in that locker room. But if a trade comes your way that, that involves, let's say, Jimmy Butler, you have to put all that stuff aside. Am I wrong here? Like is PJ Tucker like a higher priority than even I'm giving him credit for?
0: No, you're absolutely right. You know, obviously, when it comes to the All-NBA guys, if a trade like that were to come up and they asked for Tucker, you know, I'm sure that Daryl would convene with James and Mike and everyone else. But Mike doesn't want him to go anywhere. James is one of James' closest friends. But <clears throat> Daryl Moore's job is not, you know, <laughs> he's not there in the business of making friends. You know, he's you have to put business aside from personal stuff. And Tucker is undervalued at eight million a year. Was it seven point something million? Is undervalued? We've seen guys making fifteen, sixteen million who don't even like Alan Crabbe. They got traded. Alan Crabbe was making what sixteen million dollars, and his impact is not nearly as effective as Tucker's. Um, Tucker is. He's durable. He's a capable three-point shooter. You know, he's a, a, a tenacious defender. Um, and he's a glue guy. He's a culture guy. He's what, you know, everything that they lost in Ariza in terms of the intangibles, they regained that in Tucker. Um, Now, I know a max for him, a max extension would be around $12 million a year. Um, his contract right now is... Good for them with a partial guarantee in 2020, 21, and eight million next season, and I just think as a thirty four year old, he wants that security. A two year, you know, a two twenty four. wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if if it came to that, like a two year extension. Just. And just from the fact that they want him to be around, they want him to stick around, and they want him to stick around after he's done playing, you know, kind of like we see what Chuck Hayes does, you know, that kind of, that kind of role. <clears throat> but, but you know, it does, it does, it's not, it wouldn't be their biggest priority because he's not about to be a free agent, so they do have other things to attend to. But it's natural for an older player to want to have his future secure, just like Coach D'Antonio.
1: Yeah, and I I totally understand that. Like like I said, like I I really I I can sympathize with with PJ, but Daryl just doesn't roll like that, man. Like, like we know his history. Like the, he likes the <coughs> contracts that he likes, and a contract yeah. like PJ Tucker is really really like appropriate for trading. Like, like if you want to make a splashy like trade, PJ Tucker is going to be involved in that kind of trade. Now. It's going to be tough, but if a yeah. tra- if, if a trade comes your way that's that's attractive enough, you greet your teeth and you do that. Because if the Rockets truly are putting all their guys on the table, that includes PJ Tucker. And the and if you're going to if you're going to deal with PJ Tucker, that that trade better be damn damn good. It better be worth your while because man, like the Rockets, I'm someone who who's arguing for continuity. I I, I do I don't think the Rockets need to do much. Like I th- I think they're in a, they're in a perfectly fine position. They're going to compete again next year. And if Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors, like the Rockets have a legitimate chance to be the second best team in the uh, NBA again. Like I d- I don't see anything wrong with their <laughs> roster structurally. Like th- they they could fix some things. Like I th- they they can improve around the edges. I think they're fine and I get all that. At the same time, if you're if you're going to really make a statement and if you're going to fire all your assistant if all your assistant coaches, like all your players have to be on the table and if 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 a deal comes your way, you have to strongly consider it.
0: Yeah. Um to your point, you do have to consider everything when you're in the business of, you know, winning. You know, you can't just sometimes you can't just stand pat. Because you never know what your, your rivals are going to do. You don't know what power move is going to happen in the West, so you can't. I understand the business of wanting to get better. Um, I know for a fact that Tucker's camp, whenever, whenever he was in the, and well, before he had signed in Houston, they were pushing strongly for him to sign with Toronto because they were offering more money. Right. And Tucker refused. He, he really wanted to play with James. Um, he really wanted. He really believed in the vision that they had. You know, the Western Conference and competing there, and you know, getting them in the, in the, in the, in the thick and thin of it. I just think hey, he's a he's a he's a good guy. But who knows? Is he is he gonna get the money? I don't know. You know, yeah. it's business. It, it, can, it can get tricky at times. And this is the time where it gets the most tense, the most awkward, you know, because there's, there's no communication, you know, from either side for a while. Because I know, I know Houston, has they've talked to him before, and they've, they've said, look, we want to keep you around. But they want to keep all the guys around. But, you know, there are certain factors you have to take into consideration to keep guys around. Right? It's not all – black and white. So even if they do want you around long term, you know, if, if their job is to get better and you only get better being their cap situation, you can only get better by trading, correct? Yeah. And those are the guys that have the most movable contracts. You know? And, and that's not even getting into Capella. But we'll, talk, we'll talk about that later. But, um, yeah, I just think they're going to look at everything. And no stone will be left
1: unturned. That's Kelly Eco. You can follow him on Twitter at Kelly Eco NBA. You can follow his work at the Athletics. Make sure to subscribe. Will you be at Summer League this year in Vegas? Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. I'll see you there, my friend. I'm gonna be counting on you to pull me away from these roulette tables. These damn roulette tables They they, <laughs> they, they like I'm convinced that they want you to lose money. Like the, these damn dealers that they put on the t- the spin that they put on the ball, like it it never lands it never lands on the number you want. Never, yeah, never.
0: I've, I've, I've played crabs twice. The first time I played it, I got had beginner's luck. Second time I played it, I did not have beginner's luck, and I will not be going back for a third. So, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to pull you in from for those those vices.
1: I'm gonna need it. I'm gonna need it. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, guys, good night.